Welcome back, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Elle. And thanks for listening. This is Alternative Interests. Yay. <laughs> you always do some kind of like whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> I'm just the, uh, the, uh, the hype guy. <laughs> we need one, girls. I, I have no hype. <laughs> so... Before Elle gets us started on her episode this week, I actually have a couple of things I wanted to address. The first one was a friend of mine actually was listening to our podcast and told me a story related to our Chimera episode. Apparently, her grandmother actually had to get a bone marrow transplant from her aunt, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm really sorry, Nikki, if I got that wrong. I'm not looking at our text exchange. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently before the bone marrow transplant, her grandma was gluten intolerant and lactose intolerant. And after the bone marrow transplant, she was able to eat gluten and dairy again. What? So she was joking with me that like sometimes bone marrow transplants cure allergies. (laughs) That doesn't mean everybody go get a bone marrow transplant. That's what I I was literally (laughs) thinking that today. Yeah. So that was the first order of business was just kind of a cool story that you know not all results from bone marrow transplants are bad you can cure your allergies that does not mean you go ask for one because it is a highly invasive procedure yeah i actually um explained to my dad what a chimera was recently because we were talking about how relevant it is why didn't you just have him listen to the podcast so we could get another download (sighs) because my dad doesn't have iPhone or any form of he listens to like Pandora and that's it. We might be on Pandora. We're on iHeartRadio now. Oh, I'll tell him. Yeah. He probably won't, but I don't know anyway. <laughs> the second order of business is apparently, even though we live here and this news is everywhere, hey. even L has not heard this. Hey. I'm very not with the times, okay? (laughs) So we had some big true crime news happen here last week, I believe. Possibly the week. I think it was last weekend. Oh, what? Then I should know. You should know. It it literally (laughs) just happened. So in Seattle, anyone familiar with Seattle knows Alki Beach. Anyone not familiar with Seattle, Alki Beach is one of the really, really nice beaches. That's It's beautiful. It is. It's a gorgeous park. It's got lots of lots of trails for you to walk around on. And it's just it's in a nicer part of town, so a lot of people like to go there. And it's out on the peninsula in Seattle, so there's not a whole lot of stuff in the way. Yeah. For so if you want to catch some sun, people go to Alki. Yeah. Anyway, I want to say it was last Friday. Oh. This is insane because Elle and I were talking about rando nodding recently. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? That's what this is about. Yeah. Oh, my so God. So this group of kids was rando nodding. I'm going to go on a quick tangent here really quick. Oh, my gosh. I ruined somebody's life by telling them our conversation about rando nodding. <laughs> well, so I I checked out rando nodding. Taryn and I actually checked out a couple of places on what? Friday night. Without me? It literally sent us to someone's front yard, uh, like three different people's front yards. So my personal opinion on rando nodding is that it is it's random number generation 
to give you a set of random coordinates that you go to. And the reason people are finding things at these coordinates is because you are looking for something. Yeah. So, I mean, people can walk by a certain area. And this story is the perfect example of they found things because they were looking for something. So what happened is this group of kids was rando nodding in Seattle on Isle Kai Beach. It sent them to this pier, which is actually Luna Park, which is one of the peripheral parks off Alki Beach. And Randonaut sent them there. And because they were looking for something, they found a suitcase on the rocks. They went down to check out the suitcase because they were joking that this suitcase must be full of money like random not sent us to a place with a suitcase full of money they open it and it stunk to hell so they were freaked out they called the police they called in a what they called in was a suitcase that smelled really bad they were concerned it might be a body two hours later good job like seattle police (laughs) two hours later This is not an old reoccurrence for us. It's not. (laughs) SPD shows up. And by the time they showed up, the tide was coming in and it was actually starting to wash this suitcase away. They were able to get it. It was a body. Was it really? These kids found a body? It was uh, wrapped up in black plastic bags. You can actually, the video has gone viral of them finding this. And SPD actually found, uh, they, they say several, so there's no actual report of how many bags they found. But there's this one suitcase with bags in it, and then there were garbage bags floating in the water nearby. And they confirmed that they were bodies, and they were being sent to the ME's office. Wait, so this is like some like Dexter shit going on? We're not sure. Ah, what if we have a Dexter? It's Seattle. Of course we do. Oh, cool. That's that's true. So <laughs> if you watch this video, it's... I want to watch it now. I'll show it to you later. When you look at the video, you see them open the suitcase. It is 100% a torso because that bag is flat. Oh. There's no way it can be anything but a torso. I'm telling Wait, you. Wait, okay. When you say suitcase, I'm thinking of like... Carry on. A carry on suitcase. Oh, I was thinking of like, I don't know why my mind went to briefcase. No, no. It was like a carry on. Like super generic, like Samsonite blue bag with the brown trim on it. That is exactly what they found. They opened it up and they said it stunk. Like in this TikTok, you can see them like, "It, it smells. And so... When they fully opened it, it smelled so bad. That's why they called the cops. They were legitimately scared it was a dead body. So and they were right. I spent hours trying to verify <laughs> if this was legitimate. Because, you know, in the world of social media, people make fake videos all the time. All the time. It's- I'm telling you. I went. I picked through this video a good twenty times. Their their views on this video probably went up about a hundred views because of you. Because of how many times I watched this video. Okay. I found buildings in the background of their video 
and I matched them up to Google Maps. Like, you know, you can drop the little man on Google Maps and you this, can get the street view. This is how extra she is. I just want to, <laughs> like, point out to everybody. If the FBI needs a new investigator, Crystal's on top of it. Nobody kill me because uh, Crystal will I'll find I'll fucking find you. <laughs> so then I went and I found a news report. Uh-huh. And a news report. This is from the news report. See the building in the background? Yeah. Google Maps. That's the building in the background. Oh, my God. This is three buildings down from the one in the background of their TikTok. Okay. So this is like legit. Yes. I I really hunted to find this information. So because I'm, I was super skeptical of it. So I figured out that, you know, it's legit. SPD actually came out, I believe, on Tuesday because the video went viral mm -hmm. and they did not confirm or deny that the the TikTok was accurate, but they did confirm that the initial call they responded to was a suitcase on the rocks that smelled really bad. Wow. Yeah. This is a perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about with Randonaut. People were walking by that beach all day. They walked by this suitcase and no one noticed it because Randonaut sent them to that general area and they were looking for something. That's why they found it. Thanks, guys. You killed somebody. <laughs> who knows? It might be nobody. What if it's a nobody? What if we have no idea who it is? So Taryn and I actually checked out. We checked back into it because no news has been released on it. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that by Wednesday or Thursday, they should have something from the Emmys office. Oh. As of yesterday, which is Saturday, by the way, sorry. <laughs> As of yesterday, there was no con confirmation of who the bodies were, if it's more than one body. But there are rumors starting that it's minors, which would explain why they have not released anything. Oh. Uh no not the kids <laughs> yeah so i will keep updating you guys as we hear more stuff yes. because shit's going down in seattle right now <laughs> guys be careful when you're rando nodding yeah and you know or just don't don't let me ruin your fun if you want to go rando nodding but it is just random generated it really it's random number generation disguised in a creepy looking app so just, you know what? Don't go random nodding. Go on a walk around your neighborhood and just pay attention to your surroundings. Yeah, same thing. You might find body. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Just you'll manifest whatever you want. Yeah. Well, not whatever. I mean, you potentially. Dude, I wish dude, if I was them, I'd been really depressed if I found a body instead of like millions of dollars. I'd been like, this random nodding thing's a scam. <laughs> well, the whole thing with random nautica is that it's supposed to be creepy stuff. It's only creepy if that's what you want it to be. <laughs> but that's that's why I don't buy into it. Because I'm telling you, I went to three different places yesterday. I All of them were bullshit. Did, did we just download the wrong app? No, it's the right app. I just... I wanted to find something cool, that's all. It's because I'm... I ruined it for you. I'm a highly skeptical person. <laughs> I downloaded it because I was super excited about this, guys. And then Crystal's all like, she's like, she downloads it. And then all of a sudden I get a message. All it is is a random generate, like coordinate generator. And I was like, screw you. <laughs> Crystal ruins everything. <laughs> she does. Um, but it's okay. It's Actually, like that's legitimately. I was listening to, I think his name's Adam Carolla. 
Cor it's Adam C something, but he's from the TV show Adam Ruins Everything. Oh yeah. And he was a guest host on Jensen and Holes and he was talking with them about stuff. And I found my spirit animal guys. <laughs> Cause Adam is one of those people that when you're talking about something and you're talking about it with bad information, Adam will be like actually and then he'll give you the real rundown oh my god that's you it is 100 percent me so i just tell everyone crystal ruins everything oh my god <laughs> now that we have covered the potential killer we've got in seattle i'm really really curious about these body parts guys so i will definitely keep you up to date as i get more information I'm, but i'm gonna look it up and i'm gonna just gonna stalk this story now <laughs> it's hard to because they're not giving any information out which actually is why i think some of the rumors about it being kids might be right because i feel like if it was adults we would have something by now yeah. especially if they like don't know well yeah because they don't know who the kid belongs to probably even they well, probably they can't release information yeah. on minors oh yeah they can't true. even say how many bodies it is are you serious yeah like at this point they still haven't released how many bodies it is Oh, God. That's really sad. But anyway, Elle can take it away now. Oh, okay. So, on a lighter note, not so much death going on, but a lot of theft. <laughs> a lot of theft. <laughs> a lot of theft. Um, I have a good old story of a man named Christopher Thomas Knight or the North Pound Hermit. Pond. The pond. Oh, my God. I said, okay. So, Christopher Thomas Knight or the North Pond Hermit. Ba, 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 which I found out he actually doesn't like to be called a hermit. No, he doesn't. Well, I feel kind of bad. I mean, actually, he learned to accept that's what he is. Hmm. I think he didn't like to be called a hermit because the preconceived notion of a hermit is someone that's like some crotchety old man. Yeah. But, and he didn't <laughs> want to be seen that way. And he didn't but, want people because uh, I remember a quote by him about how he didn't think want people coming up to him thinking he had like hermit knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Because when I think of a hermit, I think of um, that in Labyrinth, that old lady with all the shit on her back, and she keeps throwing stuff on a pile on her back. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> I love the Labyrinth. Okay. Um. So there was a little uh, myth or like local lore in the little town of North Pond, Maine. And the story kind of goes of, it's about a man who lived in the woods since like the 1980s. This man would break into like seasonal cabins and steal food and other things randomly throughout the house. And But they could never catch him on camera or anything because something would happen to the cameras. But only one lady ever got it and that's because she hid like a picture of him because she they hid the camera in her fire detector. Mm-hmm. No one had seen the hermit and he would go to great measures not to be seen as well there was one thing where i guess somebody kind of found his footprints but he would walk backwards instead of walking forwards i thought that was really cute so this rumor just existed in the area it was just one of those folk stories that you know kids tell each other the adults all believe in Mm -hmm. and and like people were there's actually some like women and stuff like that who were like they didn't like going to sleep or whatever without their husbands sleep or whatever they wouldn't like to go to sleep or like be alone at home at night because they were scared that this hermit would break into their house yeah 
And I saw a couple of places people would put notes on their front doors. Yeah. I was like, please just tell us what you need and we'll give it to you. Please don't break in. Because he would break into the same house like night yeah. after night after night. Yeah. So people like leave notes and everything and they and he would never actually make con- like contact with them. And so that's kind of why it was like a myth and not like nobody could ever really verify that it was like legit. The little hermit that haunted their little town, it turned out that the myth was true. So on, well, in April of 2013, uh, a man was arrested in the woods of Maine and he told them his name was Christopher Thomas Knight. Did you see the story of how he got caught? Didn't he get caught? Okay, so I read that he got caught. They, They said he got caught from like a camera. A forest ranger had a cabin in that area that had been broken into several times mm-hmm. and so many people were tired of this guy not getting caught that he set up mo- a silent yeah, motion, yeah, detector. The motion detector that's what i meant and he spent hours and days <laughs> timing himself so that he would be at home he would get a ping from this motion detector and he would hop in his car and go to the cabin he got it down to four minutes Wow, that is dedication. That is how he caught this guy that the motion detector went off and he got there within four minutes Wow! because he just really wanted to catch this guy. <laughs> I would have wanted to if I would want to as well um, if he was stealing all my crap because he would steal things like uh, not just food. He would steal like propane tanks. He would steal batteries. Um, I guess he even stole books and then he would. He stole camping gear. Yeah. He borrowed, and I say borrow because he literally borrowed boats, canoes. Yeah. And he was smart about it, though. So when he would bring the canoe back, he would sprinkle pine needles in it to make it look like it hadn't been yeah. touched. It was, I was just those cute little details almost. Like, I, I feel really bad. I was reading this and I was like, I have a little warm place in my heart. Like, oh, look at this little wilderness guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like that PBS special of the guy who goes up to Alaska to build a cabin from scratch. Yeah. 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 So for 27 years, about like roughly, uh, I saw 27 most mentioned, but a lot of people said like three decades. I mean, 27 years spans across three decades. Yeah. So, But so, 27 years. Yeah. Yeah. So he lived in the woods, in these woods. And he, like we were saying before, he lived off basically anything he could steal and one of the gals, well, police officers, forest rangers, uh, who was there when he was actually found, she actually had a conversation with him where she actually found that he would steal more in the fall so he could kind of like get more chunky yep, and then survive the winter because the winters would get like 20 below zero. And, and that's one of the reasons that they didn't think it was necessarily the same guy. That That's why it stayed in urban legend for so long. Yeah. Because no one could believe someone could survive in a winter that cold. Well, he did. I know. Wow. And uh, he kind of talks about it because the man, Michael, who wrote a book on him, Michael Finkel, uh, actually kind of asked him how he survived those. And he would meditate, I guess. He said he never meditated Because I guess a lot of people would think that that's what he would do for 27 years all by himself. And he's like, no, the only time I actually started meditating was when I was close to dying. Which is so sad. There's a lot of folks that uh, see him as kind of like a hero because he went out into the wilderness and he basically rejected everything. Minus he did have a radio 
I guess, to stay up to date on like current events. Yeah, I think I saw he liked to listen to NPR. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was the only real connection he had with the outside world. This man never, for 27 years, this man never talked to a single soul besides one man who was a hiker that passed him. And and, all he said was hello. And all he said was hi. Not even hello. Yeah, just hi. Hi. It like broke out. He said he's just, it's just like a little hi. And then the dude didn't acknowledge him, the hiker, and just kept walking because he was scared that the hiker saw him. And that was the big like, well, no, they're actually actually was a man with his son that were hunting that stumbled on his camp wait are you talking about the guys uh the man who was with his sons and they like bowed to him maybe okay so that (laughs) the oh so the story about that was there was a man who he did come across but he didn't talk to them so the gentleman had his sons and they were hunting or something and then they saw him and he was like bundled up and he had like a hat on and a big giant coat and uh they looked over at him and he thought he was like some like vietnam war vet Mm -hmm. and so he the dad didn't want his kids like approaching the guy or whatever so all they did was bow to him and then he bowed back and then the dad was like, all right, so don't go near him and everything. It's going to be, it's like, we're okay. We're going to go. Okay. Because he didn't want, he didn't know who he was. And, and he didn't want to disturb him. And yeah. They never told anyone about it. Yeah. Until and, after this story broke. Yeah. And then, but, but it's not like he talked to anybody and they okay. were actually a pretty good distance, he said. It wasn't okay. like they were right next to each other. Yeah. So some people saw him as like a hero just because, or like a cool character because, he was out in the woods all by himself for so long. Yeah, and a lot of people have this dream that they talk about leaving the world behind and going and living off the land, and this guy actually went and did like, it. He legitimately went off the grid. Like, yeah. people, his family thought he was dead for the most part. Um, and none of them cared. Which is really sad. But then again, I mean... Well, his upbringing was... I can't remember what it's called. There's northeastern puritans it is it's puritans tend and his father was like definitely a puritan Mm -hmm. and they don't express any kind of affection they don't express like you never hear a puritan telling their child i'm proud of you or saying I love you, or any kind of emotional conversation. That's what this guy grew up with. Hmm. So, just because he like went so off the grid for so long and survived, yeah. And then other people saw him like as a bad person and somebody who needed to be in jail and probably looked at. He was probably psycho because how how he just upright stole all these things from all these people, like food and stuff like that. And but he. What they kind of didn't know is later when he was actually in prison, he said he actually felt bad about it. But he's like, that's how I had to survive, which is kind of like, I mean, I guess to live the way that way, you probably would have to go to a little bit of desperate means. But I don't know, for 27 years. So when he was arrested in 2013, he gave the police his name and they looked him up and they had no reason not to believe him because... He came up in the system and for like 27 years, well, his driver's license was expired and stuff like that. And I guess if you looked him up via his like yearbook picture, because they gave him the school that he went to, but they confirmed 
the school he went to like via his name and stuff. And if you look at his picture in the 1984 yearbook, he is wearing the same glasses that he had on when they found him. Yeah, he didn't change his glasses for so many years. But, you know, that's why they tell you that every year you're supposed to get an eye exam because your eyes do not stay the same prescription for 27 years. And he was basically blind. Oh, really? Yeah. That was really interesting. I just thought it was really funny. Like, how, who, because I see my dad's glasses and how disgusting they were. He just got a new pair. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you keep your glasses, like, not disgusting? That's, I like how that's what went through my mind. (laughs) Well, and when he went to all these cabins, if he found glasses, he would try them all on to see if he could see better with any of them, and he never could. Hmm. So he was looking for glasses that would be better, but. And interesting, interesting part of the story actually when he would break into these houses he actually never slept in them he never just sat and relaxed in these houses he would grab what he wanted or like what he needed and then leave he never like actually stayed to hang out so that's something that he said he would do because he didn't want to risk being caught right and yeah he went to great measures to not be caught so uh, a little bit of his backstory the fun little hermit is at the age of 20 is kind of when he so he graduated high school and then he got a vocational degree what is that because it said he got that but i saw somewhere that he so it's it's job training for a specific job almost like dental hygienist or something like that but it's a degree that would only work for that specific job it wouldn't work for anything else that makes sense okay continue okay so age at age 20 after earning his like high school diploma and then getting a vacation vacational degree he was working as an alarm tech but he quit and he took a road trip to florida did his thing in florida and then he drove he just started driving and he actually drove past the place he grew up drove another like hundred something miles north until he ran out of gas on a dirt road. and uh, It was like a dirt road off a dirt road off, off a dirt, dirt road. road. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> next to the woods because he left his car. He just like got out of his car, entered the woods. And this is kind of where it was like, I honestly thought it was kind of sad because if he wasn't thinking about too much of anything or like... He just left He because he left his keys in the car and he took like nothing with him besides his tent. So I don't like and he never really explains why. Yeah. The interesting thing about this guy is he refuses to explain why. Yeah. He doesn't think it's important. Like he doesn't think the why is important. I wonder if he I don't know. Personally, sometimes I think about like just getting up and leaving. And I think this would be a really cool way to just get up and leave and go live in the middle of nowhere. But I couldn't survive for 27 years. I don't think I could survive for 27 years either. Actually, I don't know. I think I just missed bathrooms. What's crazy? He never got sick. Yeah. So he um, he did. He never got sick at all. And he actually says that uh, he contributes that to the lack of human contact that he had. Yeah. So and a lot of people think that's weird since he was out in the middle of nowhere in the freezing cold and all that stuff and out in the elements, but he still never got sick. You can't pick up germs if you're not exposed to them. Yeah. I'm just curious if he came across any animals. Like, I don't know how many animals. 
seeing animals. <laughs> Funny, I feel like. Okay, so I don't know how many like animals are up in the woods over there in Maine, but I feel like maybe you could come across a bear or something. Like, how do you? I guess if he smells really bad, maybe the bear doesn't even want him. Anyway. The area he was in was super secluded. See, like, okay, that makes... You, you can't see it from the sky. And unless... So the way he found it is he was walking. He has nowhere yeah. to really go. And it was like this stone outcropping that, you know, if you're not... If, if your purpose is not to disappear, you would see the stones turn around and leave. He actually went up to them and he realized there was a a space between them he could slip through. And that's how he found this area. Yeah. That, and that's how he was almost, he only ran into two people ever. Yeah. Because this place was so secluded, you wouldn't even know it existed. Yeah. I think only like one other, uh, during this documentary that I watched, there was like one other guy who could actually like find it and get to it. Um, well, Michael was able to because... Christopher made him a map yeah. to get there. Yeah. And then I think park rangers ended up going up there to clear it out. Yeah. And like clean it up. Which makes sense. That's their job. Okay. So so he left his car keys in the car. He left everything besides his tent. And I thought it was a fun little tidbit. He'd never slept in a tent before this. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you go from never camping in your life to all you're doing is Camping. Not even right. glamping. It is just straight up nothing camping. Yeah. It's like, impressive. Yeah. He bear grilled this <laughs> to an extreme. I don't, he didn't even bear grill this. I was going to say because bear grills comes prepared for stuff. Yeah. No, he wasn't even that. Uh, he wandered for a while till he found his little homey spot. And then it was actually a little interesting tidbit. He was actually only 30 miles away from his parents' house. And they thought they had no idea where he was or anything, thought he was dead. They, when looking at the spot, the Michael, the guy who writes the book about him, actually said there is good cell phone reception. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And he actually said the little details that Christopher Knight had in like certain things, like having good cell phone reception because he needed the radio. Oh. So the fact that he had little details like that kind of explains I almost want to say his mental state. Like, it's not like he was just, I don't know. It's weird. He was smart about he stuff. Was... And then his campground wasn't, it was super organized. Like, he had a main living space. He mm -hmm. had a bathroom. He had a showering area. Yeah, it's not like he was just winging it. Right. He, it was, there was organization to what he was doing, which I find very interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I just a few notes, like how he was never found for 27 years. Nobody had any idea who he was or how he was living there. He, he never lit an open fire. He, when he would leave, he wouldn't go on normal trails so people could trace his footsteps. He would either climb on rocks or like roots and stuff to avoid leaving footprints. Mm -hmm. So he'd kind of avoid being on like dirt and stuff. And because he was used to being alarm tech... The reason why the cameras would, like, go down is because he would uninstall them. Yep. And then he would kind of stalk these homes. This is the creepy part. He would stalk these homes for a while before he actually broke into them. So he kind of learned the schedule because normally he would uh, break in when it was unoccupied. So when nobody was home. 
Yeah. There were a couple times he broke into occupied homes at yeah. night or even during the day when no one was home. Yeah. But it was because he tried to cycle through the places he was breaking into so that he didn't have a set pattern mm -hmm. that people could catch on to and figure out, well, he broke into this place yesterday, which means he's going to hit this place today. Yeah. So he had to stock multiple houses to learn the routines of all of them to get information for himself it's so that so he couldn't get out. caught so thought out uh he actually also stole keys like spare keys so he didn't, oh, didn't actually have to break into the home he could just use the keys so he didn't have to leave any remnants like and he wasn't being destructive yeah because i was i mean somewhat thoughtful <laughs> it, well it's he felt bad about it yeah he actually says later on that he felt bad and he's like i knew what i was doing was wrong and he said every time I did it, I knew it was wrong, but... And that's why that was, when they caught him, he was super, so complacent. Yeah. He was like, yep, he didn't, I did it. Yep. He didn't put up a fight or anything. He totally went with them. So tw for 27 years, this man didn't talk to a single soul besides one. <laughs> and uh, all I said was hi. And when they, he was asked about like if he missed anybody, if he cared about talking to other people, he... I'm not sure if he was always i i couldn't find if he was just always somebody who didn't wasn't super talkative or if being alone for 27 years kind of made him that way i think that goes back to his puritan upbringing that they don't express affection they don't like puritans tend to be quieter mm -hmm. and so i think that played into it that he grew up in a family that was not super talkative yeah so it was it was nothing for him to just get up and go yeah so yeah he didn't talk to anybody and when he was asked if he like missed anybody like family or whatever he said he missed some family <laughs> at certain to a certain degree <laughs> yeah and it was so weird that it from what I read, it looked like he was only saying that because he was expected to, not yeah. because he actually felt that way. Well, I've like had, I want to say, well, I've known somebody who like emotionally he could not attach himself to like anybody. I think I kind of told you. Yeah. Like, yeah. So for me to like to read that and like have somebody be like, oh, I didn't miss like a single soul. I'm just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then again, he actually attributed that to his upbringing. Yeah. That because they never expressed emotion in his house, he never learned how to emotionally attach himself to mm -hmm. another person. So what you and I would perceive as, hey, I miss you, that just doesn't click with him because it's not a thing that he learned. Yeah. So it's like, you know... I wouldn't mind seeing this person again, but if I didn't, it's no big deal. <laughs> it's no big deal. So, yeah, like he he didn't care that he was out by himself, all alone, with nothing, and he didn't even talk to himself. Like he, I don't know. I'm somebody who in the car sometimes. I don't do it too much anymore, but if I'm by myself, sometimes I'll like talk to myself because you know, I need to hear what I'm saying. Well, sometimes it's easier to think out loud. Yeah. He didn't even do that. He said he, like, he didn't even talk to himself. All he did was just sit there and, well, like, do other things. He just never used his voice. So while he was in prison and stuff, um, if people tried to talk to him, he really wouldn't say too, too much. And then it was actually, there came a point, he said, where all he was saying, like, yes, sir, no, sir, 
thank you. Well, the story of how that happened is really sad because yeah. he was really well read because yes. he would steal books. And then somebody said he sounded like a book. Which is so sad because when that you don't just... speak out loud mm-hmm. you and he liked the classics, he loved um, like Oliver Twist yeah. and like that era of books and they don't speak in the same English we speak in today. Yeah. So when he would speak in longer phrases, other inmates just made fun of him. Yeah. And so because uh, he didn't know slang, he didn't know like people would say things and he's just like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he ended up using less words, which is sad. He actually ended up being very not like very respected, but a lot of people would think he was pretty cool and stuff like that just because of who he was quiet and he thought that was weird he's just like i'm always quiet yeah and uh, i was like he was respected by authorities within yeah, the prison because, because he was such a model prisoner mm-hmm. that they're like man this guy he says yes sir no sir he just does whatever <laughs> we ask him he doesn't argue he doesn't cause any problems yeah but i don't i mean it probably does have to do with like his upbringing and kind of just who he was especially the fact he kind of got a little bullied about i, th- I feel like the bullying was more part of it yeah. and i was reading some of the information he was sharing about his time in prison was so hard for him yeah because he was used to being in the middle such of the a, nowhere worth no noise yeah such a drastic change i i was kind of reading that and even like that was kind of my first thought when they're like oh yeah he got arrested he spent 27 years and then he got arrested and it was like that oh, poor guy that poor guy he went from not having any like form of communication he didn't have to deal with anybody and I like how I said deal with anybody, <laughs> not okay. And then all of a sudden he's around people twenty four seven. That's a huge sensory it's, overload. Yeah, sensory overload, like probably cultural cultural shock for him because the world he left the world like so like back then and yeah. the way it is now. I don't know. I would. I probably would have been overloaded. Um, I get overloaded when I walk out of my house to the grocery store. <laughs> So a little cool little tidbits about what Christopher Knight kind of brain changes do to you in the wild. And I guess they've actually tried to do studies kind of about this, which I find interesting, that he actually developed photo re- uh, photographic recall. So like a photographic memory. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then he has a limitless attention span. So he can like sit there and do something for hours and well yeah because there's nothing distracting him yeah and then um he's very content with like being by himself and everything he doesn't need other people um and i guess they've actually done studies on this like there were there's a gal current I, i i didn't look at the date so i can't i don't know if i should say currently or it was a thing because i'm pretty sure she wrote a book on it um because of the michael uh, gentleman who wrote the book on him actually addresses in one of the articles I read he talks about this that some people use like monks and stuff like that how they like go out into the wilderness and they can develop better brain function by not having all the world's distractions and stuff like that I almost feel like I just feel like when you're doing these studies it's hard to make them actually accurate because you're studying people like monks. 
who have a specific type of personality type that gravitate toward that to begin with. Yeah. So it's not exactly an unbiased study. Okay. So I pulled up the article just because I wanted kind of like the direct quote. And this is like The Atlantic. And it's they they said in this, the book is called The Nature Fix. And they kind of talk about how Knight's camp was may have been the ideal setting to encourage maximum brain function. Interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of like what I was trying to say, how it... uh, So the way he had everything set up and stuff was actually really good for uh, mental development. And then they say how nature kind of helps you with that. So like when people do unplugging, unplugging. Well, that's because we have so many distractions Mm -hmm. in the world that... And that's why studies like that I'm a little skeptical of because they're not studying someone... They're not studying a bunch of different learning types. Yeah. They're studying someone who wants to go and disconnect. Someone who wants to go disconnect is going to benefit from it (laughs) better than someone who does not. So if you took... Like some glam queen who is oh, no. addicted to her phone and you took her phone away and you put her in the middle of nowhere. She's going to go crazy. Yeah, because you're you're not encouraging the things that make them function best. Yeah. So that's it's hard for me to fully jump on board studies like that mm-hmm. because they're so biased in who they're aimed towards. Yeah. So someone who is not quite as skeptical as Crystal who ruins everything. <laughs> Is gonna <laughs> is gonna look at that and see, man. I just need to go camping and I'll I'll be smarter. Whereas, oh no, I wouldn't think that. <laughs> well, I'm vastly oversimplifying it, but you you kind of get what I'm saying. That yeah. someone's gonna read that and think, you know, the answer to why I can't focus in school is because I don't have enough nature, and it it doesn't dive into what types of personalities this is best for, and the fact that. They're they're basically making a blanket statement that yeah. if you take anyone and throw them in the woods, they're gonna their brain is gonna function better, and it's just yeah. not true. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. But I just thought it was really interesting because there are. I feel like disconnecting and almost being a part of nature just from like experiencing people I know, but maybe it's just because of the select people I choose to hang out with. Well, no, it makes complete sense. Yeah, they like are but... super chill and a lot. But you're talking about a weekend as opposed to an extended period of time. Years. Not even 27 years. So even I mean, a few months. Like I don't know. I don't, no, I don't, you're talking about a weekend versus a week. Girls camp. <laughs> I used to love girls camp, but I hated it. People would bring their cell phones anyway. I hated it. All of you. Ugh! It was such glamping. Glamping. I don't know. I don't feel like I've actually ever been legit camping. Oh, I have. <laughs> I I haven't. It's fun. I I just, I can't deal without, I'm like weird when it comes to going to the bathroom and not an actual bathroom. It's not that bad. I'm you not, just go. I'm, I'm not even one for public restrooms. Yeah, you got to get over that if you're going to go camping. Mm-hmm. And it's just something like, no. Maybe if I'm like in the situation, I really have to go. Okay. Anyway, back on track. Uh, we kind of already addressed about like the last little bit that um, I had in my notes about how he never got sick and he actually says it's because of his zero human contact. Well, all of one human contact in the span of 27 years. Yeah. And it makes, t- personally to me, it makes sense. Like if it's kind of like 
COVID is a really good example of this. That yeah. if people would stay home and wear their masks, then we would lower the curve. Crystal's really big on the whole COVID wearing masks and staying home thing. She would not see me until it was like allowed. Not even like allowed. It had to be allowed. And then yeah. she said, okay, we can start this podcast thing and you can come over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I... Okay. Anyway, when he was arrested... And they actually started, like, putting him through tests to see if he had any brain, weird brain things. They were thinking about uh, labeling him as, like, Asperger's disorder because of his emotional detachment. They they are pretty sure that he has... It's suspected, but it takes a lot of psychiatric evaluation to actually be diagnosed with Asperger's. And I think he didn't want it... Especially because he's so unwilling to talk about himself. Yeah. It's hard to diagnose someone who won't talk about themselves. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So it's suspected. It's He hasn't been actually diagnosed, yeah. but I can and, see it. Yeah, same. Um, and I think that's just because I've known people. And then and then reading this, I don't know. Um, and then you said he has what they actually, did they actually diagnose him with something? Okay. I think they did diagnose him with agoraphobia. Yeah. Yeah. That one. So that's Christopher Thomas Knight or the North Pond Hermit. Well, I actually kind of want to go into his actual jail term. Oh, yeah. You actually want to? Well, it's important to the story because he spent all these years stealing. Oh, yeah. He did get arrested. He went to jail. And while they figured out what to do with him, (laughs) he he just kind of sat in jail. And this is when Michael Finkel was able to actually meet with him. Oh, yes. Michael started by writing him letters and slowly he just kind of was like at first he was said it was refreshing to write and everything. But then he like reevaluated and he was like, you know, I don't like this. I I don't. He was like, yeah, I don't like this. And he stopped and Michael didn't want to take no for an answer. So he went to the jail and he met with him and Christopher was angry. He was really upset about it. He was like, why are you here? He would barely talk to him. But over the course of, was it nine visits? Um, Or was it eight? It was eight or nine one hour visitations with Michael mm -hmm. that he was able to talk with him, kind of get to know him. And so. And I think Michael was the only actual person that Christopher opened up to really. A lot of people said that. Because Michael was able to pick up. Michael is a journalist for GQ magazine. Yeah. And he was able to figure out little ticks about Christopher that made him connect with him really well. Which I find to be such a cool trait of somebody. I find that to be... And, I mean, journalists have to be able to read their audience to get the information Journalists, you're kind of dope <laughs> if that's how you are. So as they were, as the court system was figuring out what to do with with Christopher, they had to evaluate statute of limitations and yeah. what he stole and if people wanted to press charges against him. Eventually, he got sentenced to nine months in prison was his final sentence. Yeah. By the time they told him that, he had he already like, served eight. Wait, no, I saw seven. Was it seven? I think it, it was seven. He already served seven months. He was really close. Yeah. And so it was like... With good behavior, they let him out. Yeah. And it was under the condition that he got a job mm-hmm. 
and he checked in once a month to make sure that he was still a functioning member of society as much as someone like this can function. Yeah. And he had to go into the custody of a family member. So I believe he went to live with his mother. Yeah. He lived with his mom. And then I guess he was, I saw somewhere he was working at like an auto shop. It was his brother's company. Yeah. And which is so, so the car that he abandoned when he decided to leave society, Mm -hmm. his brother had co-signed the loan on that with him. And it was a comment he made that was like, man, I really screwed my brother over (laughs) because I, I left that car and his brother, because he was off the grid, he couldn't, the loan sharks couldn't come after him. So, So you know, they went after his brother. That's so sad. Yeah. He probably, if I, that's probably why he went and worked for his brother, been like free labor for a little while. <laughs> well, like, pay. yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, his brother was just happy he was actually alive. Probably. It's just, it is the weirdest thing to me that none of them when, reported him as missing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they just, that is weird. Okay. Nope. I can't justify it. Right. It's if, just the weirdest thing. And if one of my siblings went missing, I probably after not hearing from them for so long. Yeah, eventually you'd be like, "Hi, oh, I haven't heard from this person in a while. Maybe we should see where they are." Yeah. Give them- nope, he was never reported as missing. I it's know. It's just odd. I thought that was really, but then you, I don't know, relationship dynamic with family. Maybe he ended on like a really bad note or something. Maybe they're... the thing is, he won't talk about it. He refuses yeah. to talk about to why he left to this day. Because that was the last thing. During their last meeting, Michael kind of talked to him and Christopher mm-hmm. was like, yeah, we we can't talk anymore. And he he didn't even say goodbye. Which I think is weird. Yeah, that last meeting, I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now, but it was like Christopher, Michael asked him if he thought of him as a friend and Christopher said no because he didn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. And Michael kind of got up and he was like, well, it's been nice talking to you. I guess goodbye. Christopher just turned around and walked away. Yeah, no, that is. Yeah, I find that like really. I find that really weird. But then again, it makes sense with his mental state. It's just and kind of how he He's so interesting. Just the fact that he he doesn't seem to connect to people and he doesn't want to connect to people. He has no problems being by himself. And the only reason that he's even going and living with his mother and working for his brother to. is because he has to. Yeah. I, I don't know. I find this very... I mean, for me personally, I'm just like, no, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if I didn't have to talk to my family ever again that'd be fine and then also another side note in the winters when he was he was um very structured with his schedule he would only sleep for a few hours at Mm. night yeah and even then it was like a catnap kind of sleep because if he slept for too long he so he would go to bed sometime i think around 8 p.m was mm-hmm. when he would go to bed and then he would wake up at 2 a.m. when the night gets the coldest so that he would be awake during the coldest part of the night so that because if you sleep you die that was yeah. one of the quotes he said was you know when it gets that cold if you sleep you die yeah and that's when he would 
do the like more meditating things is when he said when he was close to death yeah he would start meditating and it wasn't i think um it wasn't actually meditation it no it was he he calls it meditation now but you said at the time it was just you know making sure his body didn't shut yeah. down it was yeah like just what kind of what you said he was just checking in to make sure that his body was still functioning yeah and so he was very just focused on that rather than i don't know but that's kind of actually meditation is more not thinking of anything at all yeah and in the winters he would he would like you said he would steal as much as possible well he oh gosh well he would steal things in the fall and in the spring and he would bulk up because he didn't want his footsteps anywhere so he didn't leave camp in the winter because he didn't want his footsteps yeah. being anywhere. Because it was so harder with all the snow, probably. Does it snow up in Maine? Yes. Yeah, it does. It snows a lot. Gosh. Yeah. Maybe. And it, it wasn't that it was harder to move. It's that he didn't want his footsteps traced. Well, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah. Yeah. So it's... He put so much thought into, like, not being found. The poor guy, he got found. Yeah. But at the same time, he fully knew that every time he broke into a place, he might be found. Yeah. It's just, like, that's that uh self-awareness and just that i just want to know why he went out there like why why you're never gonna why never gonna know you're just gonna assume just just always assume because i almost want to because what i uh actually reading it and everything there's a point where you could think maybe he didn't get like be because in the yearbook next to his picture because in the documentary you can see it and mm-hmm. next to his picture he actually had future career as like a a computer tech. Okay. So he wanted to go into computers and everything. And so the fact that he picked up everything and this is I guess for me his personality isn't what bothers me. It's the fact that he just left everything that bothers me. I'm just what clicked in his mind that was just like I can go live on my own. Right. And not talk to anybody ever because he did have like when he was in school, he had this want for like a certain career path. And I don't know if he was just over life. And it's the things that he isn't talking about that. It's kind of were you going? And I saw kind of in the article a little bit where it's just like, honestly, I wonder what he was contemplating. Like, did he want to go out there and die (laughs) or because he left everything besides taking a tent but that shows he has intent to stay alive somehow. Right. So you kind of X out him wanting to kill himself. So, like, did he really just want to go not, like, be a hermit, but, like, live off of the grid? Like, I don't know. That going from just being a member of society to not being a member of society right, anymore. Because it was literally, like, a split-second decision that he hopped in his car and he drove until mm-hmm. he ran out of gas. Yeah. And, you know, something had to cause that. But because he won't talk about it, we are never going to know what that is. Yeah, sadly. And he probably will never talk about it. I don't think he will. (laughs) Because of... Oh, and that's... So a question some people might have is, you know, has he ever written about this? He never kept diaries. Oh, yeah, no. So there's not even any kind of... 
record of that to be like, oh, here's his thoughts and here's why he did this. Mm -hmm. He never wrote anything down. He never did. He just kind of lived in his thoughts and lived amongst books and his radio. That's all he did. And I mean, he's he sounds very intelligent and and probably from just reading books and yeah listening to radio i guess i mean I don't so know. yeah well so that is a uh, fun little it's interesting did he was also actually fun little tidbit he was actually the number one like burglar bur- burglar burglar <laughs> burglar <laughs> he was the number one burglar for like a year and then these two 17 year olds or something out stole him at like two hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff they stole from like two different houses but that's like in maine okay but i feel like that's comparing two different metrics yeah and i i wouldn't even compare them I just, because he wasn't stealing things for monetary value, yes. he was stealing things for survival. Yes, because he broke into he broke into these houses over like a thousand times. It was a, it was something like two thousand and some that that by his estimation, yeah, it was something like two thousand break-ins over the twenty-seven years. Yeah, it was crazy a lot. Yeah, so so I wouldn't even compare him to those other kids. I think it's ridiculous to try and compare him. <laughs> yeah, so on a physical level he's i think he's like the number the most prolific yeah yeah in maine in maine not i know i'd like to see if there are any any similar stories elsewhere yeah that actually would be who who's topped that i doubt anyone has same but you know we could have some hermit somewhere that's been living off the grid for 28 years no no i'm honestly surprised he wasn't in like washington instead (laughs) No, that was his home. He didn't leave. He mm. felt no need to leave. Yeah. Anyway. So nice that, story. Yeah. It's a, that's Christopher Thomas Knight or the Hermit. All right. Well, thank you. Thank. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening to our little what was myth is now legend. What? No. Myth is now not myth. Reality. Reality. Yeah. He's a real person so don't scare your kids at night with the hermit because he's real (laughs) (laughs) um share us with your friends actually now that we're we're really close to the end of the month we officially have more downloads this month than we did last month so thanks everyone for subscribing and listening and we appreciate it keep sharing us with your friends and rate Rate us. <laughs> yes, please rate, review. Um, Follow us on Instagram. At Alternative Interest Podcast. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcast. Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. I think someone added us to Podcast Addict. Podcast Addict? Okay, cool. Yeah, we're we're in a lot of places now, which is pretty cool. So, and uh, everywhere we're not everywhere. There's a lot of places we are not. But watching you, (laughs) I'm not watching you yet. But you guys should realize by now, if I want to watch you, I will find you. Okay, you think she's joking? It's kind of creepy. (laughs)
Um, we will see you next time, guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye.